Hello and welcome to Inside Stories from the MPA. I'm Cindy Simmons and this is a podcast for Manchester's Publicity Association. It's where you'll hear the latest insights and experience from other industry leaders in the city. I'll also bring you up to date with some of our upcoming events. In this episode, you're going to hear MPA members sharing their stories and raising awareness of breast cancer. Manchester really does lead the way in terms of treatment and research in this very important area. It was great to support this amazing charity, Prevent Breast Cancer, at an afternoon tea at the Midland Hotel. We had over 90 people in the room, and as you can hear, lots of men, as well as women, turned up for the event. Being a lad, maybe I don't have as much knowledge about breast cancer. It's been very educational for me to find out a little bit more about it. So it's just really important that we're supporting causes like this, as well as getting all our clients and all our colleagues together. I've got a lot of important women in my life, my, my wife, my mum, my grandparents. My brother actually works in cancer biology, so he's actually involved quite heavily in research. So that was obviously part of the reason for me attending. It's great to hear the enthusiasm there for supporting such a great cause. You'll hear some of the personal stories from our panel coming up. But first up, it's time for What's Up and What's On at the MPA. And I'm joined by Sue Benson, the Managing Director of the Behaviours Agency. So what's been going on? There's tons of things happening in the industry. I'm going to mention about what's coming up in forthcoming events for 2024. But we've got an event that Sue's very kindly chairing for us on the 23rd of January 2024. So Sue, tell me about it, like who's on the panel and the theme and that kind of thing. So I've been doing a load of work in the midlife space, midlife women in particular. We've done loads and loads of research into this audience to try and understand them. And one of the big things that came out as part of the research was just the amount of change that goes on in their lives, whether it's coping with divorce or having kids in primary school, having the kids leaving home, celebrating 25 years of marriage. It's so diverse as an audience. And one of the things that did come out through that process was around career and the impact of career had on on women's confidence. And there were women that we talked to that had started new careers There were women that we talked to that felt like they'd been forced out of their careers and then there were women that had to retrain. So a combination of that work and then reading some of the work around what Dr Lucy Ryan does, she's got a great book called Revolting Women. It just highlighted the fact that there's so many women leaving, and midlife women for us are 45 to 60 plus, leaving the industry. And, I, you know, Cindy, I just started looking round and there are precious few senior women in leadership role. And then when you look within the departments themselves, in client services, in creative, in the media businesses, actually there's precious few women 45 plus in any of those departments. So it's quite scary, isn't it, really? It is. It is. And, you know, I'm obviously well known. I write about it on LinkedIn all the time. I'm I'm in my 50s. So I'm looking for some familiar faces and some grey hairs like me, and there's not a lot going around. So what we thought it might be a really interesting thing to do is set up a panel, and I'll tell you who that is in a bit, just to kind of explore the issue, what's going on in our industry that means those really amazing women that start with us in their 20s and, and you know, and earlier in some cases, don't end up being there in their 40s, 50s and 60s. Who have we got lined up then? We've got a really good panel so far, haven't we? Yeah, we have. They're amazing. So we start with the wonderful Emma Slater. She's the regional MD of Wavemaker. 
Then we've got Jane Riley, who's the joint CEO at 77. And then we've got an expert amongst us, so not us three that will spout off. We've got Lee Chambers. He's an allyship expert, a gender equality expert and menopause advocate. So I think he'll give us the expertise and the guidance that we're looking for about some of the change that we really want to talk about. The one thing that we would really like to do, because it might feel like to some of our younger audiences, what on earth do they want to listen to for women banging on about? But actually, we want it as a really interactive session. We want as many people in the audience asking questions, giving their opinion, demanding the change that's necessary. So it's not for the older people in our industry. It's for everybody. It's really inclusive for everybody in the industry. Thanks, Sue. That's uh, that's great. It's, tickets are going on sale this week. I say going on sale. We're just asking for a £10 donation for non-members towards Prevent Breast Cancer. We thought that was uh, apt. Uh, obviously, it's free for members, as always. So thanks for that, Sue. We'll come back to some thoughts on what's happening in the industry shortly. But as we roll towards the end of 2023 and what a year it has been for the MPA, sold-out events throughout the year, amazing events throughout the year, the MPA Christmas Party, which is the 13th of December, is now sold out officially. So no tickets are left. So that's good news. But then we kicked off the new year at the event we just talked about. And then the Chinese New Year is celebrated at the Glamorous Restaurant in Ancoats. That'll be early February. Tickets have got on sale for that as well. So that's going to be a good event as well. So what's up then? What's happening in our amazing industry in this fabulous city of ours? So Sue is going to talk us through some areas that she's been looking into in terms of what she's finding challenging within the industry as a leading independent agency in Manchester. So Sue, what kind of things are crossing your path at the moment? Do you know, there's some recurring themes, Cindy, that when I reflect to my own business and talk to other agency owners and there's kind of the three that come round, one of which you think ought to be um, a little dead and buried by now. So we end up always talking about growth and the economy and rising and falling of consumer confidence. We always end up talking about the dreaded, the pitch and, and really that conversation is much more around mental health of our teams nowadays. So that's the conversation. But the one that I keep hearing recurringly is hybrid working which I'm really surprised because for most agencies, we have settled into routines and those routines really do vary, don't they? You know, you've got us where we have three mandated days in the office and then two days at home. And then you've got people that flip that and, you know, and even Dentsu with the one day. So there are, there are loads of rhythms that have been established. And I think every agency's really worked hard. But the one thing that I've noticed and certainly talking to my peers is as clients go back more and more and establish new rhythms and more and more people are being encouraged. You know, I I looked in the press today and there's yet more stories today in the Times about companies demanding their people go back in. The thing that's really struck me is that kind of balance between hybrid working has changed because we've got people now that need to go and see clients and be with clients. And that means longer working days because they're, you know, they could be traveling to London for us or they could be traveling, you know, you know, anywhere around the country. And so whilst we've established a rhythm, we're having conversations about whether hybrid can support this world where there's much greater contact with people and I just wondered Cindy whether that's kind of thing that you're hearing are you getting that from other MPA members 
Yeah, I think it's quite uh, it is quite prevalent that I think people are still struggling to manage it, as you say, Sue. I think people are struggling to manage it and try not to be too dictatorial to staff, but equally they need people in. And, you know, you see the places like Densu and WPP have got this beautiful space now and they're managing quite effectively to be referred to. So I think it is definitely prevalent still in terms of conversation. I think it will take another wee while to settle down and people get into that proper rhythm because it's cities a new world and so many things are changing all the time. I think it's a, what I find interesting is this, it's a really fast moving change all the time. It's, it doesn't stand still like it used to. You, you get to a point where, oh, well, you know, it's a, this is that, that's the trend for this, this is what's happening, then let's get on with it. Then suddenly something else arises its head. Uh, exactly. I thought we would sort of settle into that rhythm and that would be the uh, the rhythm, but you just hear more and more noise about people returning closer to um, to full time in the actual workspace and that changes the dynamic. And, yeah, so on one hand it's great because we've got people that are together and we build all that collaboration, but then... You know, it impacts the way that our spaces are designed, and you know, my my business is relatively small, so it's hard to find spaces that are neurodivergent friendly, or or equally the other end are Zoom friendly. You know, so it's still having an impact. And that, you know, genuinely, I thought three or four years down the line, we wouldn't be having this this conversation. It would be it be over. It is. It's interesting because there's so many conversations having to be had about so many different things. Be it. Um, gender, equality, all the things that we as the MPA are looking to address as we move forward into a a newfound world, really, because that's what we have to do. We have to keep evolving all the time. And I think businesses have to continue to evolve all the time as well. So uh, that's the state of the nation, I guess. That's the way it is. It is. And I suppose that's why we love our industry so much, hey, Cindy. It's constant change. We think, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, Sue. That's great to hear from you and all that lovely insight. I'm really looking forward to the big debate later in January. I think it's going to be an absolute corker and I'm hoping we'll get uh, lots of people attending. The space is great at Elliot House on Dean's Gate, the Chamber of Commerce space. So yeah, really looking forward to it. It should be a good start to the new year. Let's hope so. Time now for you to hear all about the MPA's recent afternoon tea party at the Midland Hotel and a grand occasion it was. It was an aid of the charity Prevent Breast Cancer and was hosted by the fabulous Michelle Eagleton. Emma Slater from Waymaker UK and Colleen Blades from Group M Nexus shared their personal stories and journeys. They're also joined by Nikki Barrowcliffe from Prevent Breast Cancer. As you'll hear, it was an afternoon of personal battles and some very inspirational stories too. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer seven years I can have it a year each time can't I so seven years ago now and it was a massive shock to me I was 46 and I found a lump and the reason I found a lump if I'd have known now what I knew then I would have gone much earlier because I had the skin on my right boob looked like an orange peel and now I know that's a sign I didn't know that was a sign then but if I say that's a sign people in the room now know that's a sign so I was diagnosed then and I it, it just, like everybody who gets a diagnosis, I guess it just knocked me for six. I went through then a process of chemotherapy. I was fortunate that working as part of WPP, we get amazing health care. I was able and fortunate enough to do that at the Christie Clinic, which is a brilliant organisation because all of the profit that comes from the money that people pay through their insurance at the Christie Clinic goes directly back into the Christie. 
So it supports people who aren't as fortunate as me to be able to get the private health care. So I went through chemotherapy, which was really hard, lost my hair. And those of you who've heard me talk at this event before know that that was one of the hardest things for me to go from a head of amazingly thick, dark hair to no hair and then it growing back like horrible, thin and fine, although it is thickening up again now a little bit. And then went through radiotherapy and then went through five years of hormone therapy, which I came off in November. And now I'm kind of out the other side, which is good. Um, I think that the, the kind of caveat to that is that you're never really out the other side because there's always, there's always something. But I think that the, the thing for me about my diagnosis and my process through the system was just how bloody amazing it is to live in Manchester and be somewhere where you've got a dedicated place like the Nightingale Centre and the Christie Hospital, whether you're private or whether you're on NHS, and the fact that everything just ran really smoothly for me. Yeah, I mean, we've got some great places. I'm going to take you back to, though, what you said about not really... You know, it wasn't on your radar, any of this, was it? And the fact that you have learned about kind of what to look for. It's really important, isn't it, to kind of know your own body? And, and I think that's something, you know, we don't always do and we're not always aware of un until a moment like that. Yeah, totally. I didn't have a clue at all. Did not have a clue. I, di I didn't kind of check myself every month or anything like that. I didn't have any family history of breast cancer, so I don't even know... To this day, I've got theories about where it might have come from, but I don't know where it came from. But I think that the thing that I know now is that I know when my... And I did talk about this a little bit last year for those who are here. I know when my body's right and I know when my body's wrong. And I think that this has taught me to really understand when my body's right or wrong. Because then prior to this, I kind of just didn't, didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about it at all. It's about being an advocate, isn't it, for your own body? And, and I think that's what you would say, Colleen, because everybody's cancer journey was different and, and yours has been a lot more recent. I know you were part of this audience last year and, and really moved by what Emma was saying and you were, you were going through the similar thing yourself. Yes, exactly. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's the first time I'm telling my story in public. Um, I was diagnosed Easter of 2022. Again, I also work for a WPP company. Thanks to our insurance, was able to get in right away. He's like, you got cancer. It's stage one. We caught it early. My options were a lumpectomy and then radiation or a full mastectomy. And I just didn't want to go through the radiation. So I was like, do the mastectomy. Three months later, it was all over and done with. And it, in fact, it happened so quickly that, you know, my doctor was like, oh, you're fine. I'll just go. And like... Oh, and I was like, well, I, I, I don't know, I lost part of my body and like things don't feel right. And I was going out to forums to try and find, you know, people, but like everyone's story was so terrible and mine was just like, well, it's one and done. So I was like, did I even have cancer? And then I had a scare in October, turned out to be benign, but I was like, I want the other breast done. I don't want to, I'm not going to live my life in fear. And the doctor was like, well, you're going to have to pay 14K for it. I'm not going to send you for genetic testing. And I totally was um, gaslit. It was ridiculous, and it was only until I was able to get to a female surgeon, and she took me seriously, sent me for genetic testing. Turns out I have a gene. So in January of 20, was it just this year, 2023, I, I had a second mastectomy. 
So um, cancer-free, I think the only after part to my story is um, I had been on HRT, wonderful HRT, and I had to go off and um, was thrown very rudely into menopause. And it's been a really, really hard time with that. But the cancer's gone. Yay. Yay. You know, I think what's really important about your story is that, you know, having that strength to know what you want to do and, and your body, isn't it? And is that something that you would say, you know, if you're feeling that, you know, that needs to be done or you need to push, then you should do that. I mean, we've all got every right, haven't we? Exactly. I'm going to bring you in, Nikki, here. What Prevent Breast Cancer do is they do kind of raise the awareness and you go into companies. And you've recently been, even to yesterday, been at Piccadilly Station, kind of, you know, spreading the word and making sure people are aware of, you know, checking themselves and, and being the advocate for themselves. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The advocating for yourself. And a big part of what we do is raising awareness of signs and symptoms and pushing the importance of breast screening because the earlier breast cancer can be diagnosed, the better the outcome. And it can also mean the difference between really invasive surgery um, or day surgery. Um, so a big part of what we're doing, and you'll notice on your tables, um, we are running a survey at this moment, which we're asking you to donate, again, but six minutes of your time, no money, six <laughs> minutes of your time. Um, there's um, a QR code, and we're asking people to fill out a survey about how breast aware you are. What would stop you from going to see your GP? What would stop you from attending breast screening? How do you want to be communicated with by health professionals and different ages, different ethnicities, because these services are available, they're just not necessarily accessible to everyone. So there is a big piece of work that I'm passionate about, and that's how we address health inequalities. Yeah, ab absolutely. And you yourself were saying it was really important when you, you met Prevent Breast Cancer for what they were doing. Yeah, really important. And I met them at this event a couple of years ago. I met Nikki. For me, I talk a lot about the privilege that we have in our in our business and I think we are really privileged and I think we forget that sometimes we're all sat here having a beautiful afternoon tea and isn't it gorgeous and we must never forget that privilege and I think that if you can find something that you get through this world that then you can give back I think it's immensely important and when I met Prevent at this charity lunch I just thought you know what I can do something here I can help here and it took me a little bit of time to find my way but now I try to do as much as I possibly can to help raise money to bring Prevent. We had Prevent Breast Cancer team in the, the campus a couple of weeks ago doing a talk, raising awareness. Because for me, the one thing that I can really do is use my voice to help maybe somebody else spot something early. And if I can do that, then something's good out, come out of something really shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th that is the case, isn't it? I mean, you can either take it one way or the other, and it shows great strength that you have done that, and you are, you know, spreading that and helping other people. You yourself as well, Colleen. You know, you said to me, because we had a chat, and you were saying, I never thought I would go out on stage and, and kind of talk to <laughs> loads of women uh, about the menopause, because that's what you're doing now, because you have had that experience, haven't you? through being diagnosed and, and going into an early menopause. So it, it's, it's kind of changed the way that you, you kind of are now. Yeah, completely. Um, I think 
I'm, I'm a slightly older than most of the people I work with, actually, because like the median age in media is like 33 or something crazy. And I never wanted anyone to know how old I was, so I was like, I'm never going to talk about the menopause. But WPP has made some, it sounds like we're in an ad for WPP, but <laughs> they've made some amazing strides in the menopause efforts. And so when an email came out earlier this year asking for volunteers to the champions, I was like, got to do it. So I ran their flagship event in October, and I was the host and stood up there and said, I've got menopause. <laughs> but um, I did it because I want to help exactly what you said. You know, I can't be silent. I, I need to help other women. And it is challenging. You, you know, both of you have been, you know, diagnosed with breast cancer and then going into the menopause that's another journey in itself and everybody is different and you you were talking about your journey with that and I know Emma you were as well what advice would you give to to people about dealing with that I think we're in a much better place now that actually you can go into a room and say that you're you're struggling with menopausal symptoms or that you can go and see a doctor and talk about menopause and I think that's absolutely brilliant the thing that's, that scares me the most is that we're now at a place where actually this is a time of life where it, it's actually high risk that you're going to fall into the bracket of possibility. And Nikki, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, but it is, it, you're higher risk at this age group in terms of getting breast cancer, a lot of it, because everything's driven by hormones, right? And a lot of it's to do with your hormones and then a lot of it can be do with HRT and... Age. And age. And getting older, yeah. So... I think that whilst it's really amazing that we've raised so much more awareness of it, what we don't want to do is make sure that we think that everybody's the same and actually because everybody's very different and I've kind of got a little bit of knowledge, which we all have a little bit of knowledge about stuff, don't we? And then we go to our friends and preach as if we're really experts. I think that whilst it's, it's really good that we talk about menopause now, I think that's a good thing. I think that the danger is that everybody just thinks everybody's the same. And kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, everybody's body is different. Everybody's hormone, in, hormone balance is different. Everybody's totally different in how you are through your monthly cycles, what your boobs feel like, what you feel like. And so I think the kind of next phase of that is about making sure that people understand that it's okay to go to your doctor and say, this isn't working, or this is different, or this is how I feel, or whatever. And actually... I was laughing with you before, wasn't I, about getting through the doctor's receptionist. When I finished my chemotherapy, <laughs> we had like a little group, you know, one of these groups that you go in and you chat about various different things. And one of the, top, one of the topics, we had a whole two hours one morning just talking about how to get through a doctor's receptionist. And if you weren't feeling right post your cancer treatment and stuff and saying that actually, you know, doctor's receptionists have no right to ask you what is wrong with you or ask you what you need from your doctor just tell them no and just say you need to see a doctor. And it was really empowering going, yeah. Anyway, my doctor's reception is really scary. I've never actually done that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we do. We feel that we haven't really got a right to say, no, I'm not going to tell you. And you, you've got you know, some stories about that from the research that you've been doing, haven't you, Nikki? Yeah, doctors can be a real barrier. And I think because of COVID as well, people have not wanted to bother their doctor. And yeah. it's like this uh, vicious circle, actually. And I think there's some, I was telling Michelle that I was at an event about health inequalities. And there's some evidence that black women sometimes have to go to their doctors two and a half times more than, the, than a white woman to be listened to. Now, there is something seriously wrong there. So then if you factor in secondary breast cancer, which has different symptoms to primary breast cancer, and a lot of GPs don't know what those symptoms are, you know, women are how you have to advocate for yourself and our doctors so our breast surgeons and the scientists that we work with would prefer that you go back to your doctor time and time again 
But the flip side of that is, as Michelle mentioned earlier, the flip side is we're, we're raising money today for a National Breast Imaging Academy. So we're going out telling you, don't ignore your screening letter. If you find a symptom, go to your doctor, they will refer you. But if there isn't the workforce to diagnose breast cancer, then we've, we've got a serious problem. So a big part of what we're doing is raising awareness and educating people and making sure that they advocate for themselves. But we also need to make sure that the services are available because the services, breast imaging, diagnosing breast cancer, that's essential for research. So any research into breast density, preventative drugs, anything like that, it requires breast imaging. So we're at a really critical time for the charity and for the NHS really. Yeah, and also, you know, going back to what Emma said, you know, the fact that we're building this here in Manchester is, is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to be a real game changer, isn't it? It is. So um, it is already the training's happening. So Health Education England have given £10 million and training is happening across centres across the country and a lot is online. And this is from apprentice through to radiologists. But there's, no, there's not enough space. So centres have closed across the country. Centres around Greater Manchester have closed. So the Nightingale Centre, where we're based, is under incredible pressure. So the building would train breast imaging experts, but also see up to 13,000 more women per year. So it's really incredible. We had an event last week, and it was some like leading marketeers there, and they were like, but what does it actually mean? Who cares about a National Breast Imaging Academy? And we've come up with, and it needs development, it basically means more mammograms for Manchester. And that's what today's about, raising money for more mammograms, mammograms for Greater Manchester. And earlier ones, yeah? Yeah. That would be yeah. fantastic, because both of you, you know, that would have been you know, great for you to be able to have had that. But what you're doing today in terms of spreading the word, I mean, that in itself is vital. Do you think, you know, this has changed you as a person and your perception now going forward, Emma? Uh, yeah, I'm very different to what I was seven years ago, but then maybe I would be very different to what I was seven years ago anyway, because I'm older. But it's definitely changed me as a person. Definitely. I'm not the same Emma that went into this, and I don't think you can, and I don't know if you'd agree, I'm not the same person coming out the other side. It doesn't mean to say I'm a worse person. In some ways, I'm a, I'm a better person, um, but I'm not the same person. You were saying to me that, you know, you just don't sweat the small stuff anymore. No, I don't. No, no. And I, I kind of like work out, this sounds really bad, and I'm sorry, but I worked out the people in my life that brought me down, they're not in my life anymore. And the people that are in my life that keep me up are in my, are in my life. And quite a lot of those people um, were sat on that table around there. So it's, it's, you know, it's, and that's just my choice. It's interesting. I, I didn't have exactly the same experience, but I think what I had shared was being thrown so rudely into menopause totally changed me. And it's been a really shit year, actually. It's just really sucked. I could swear, but that wouldn't be appropriate. Um, <laughs> it's been really fucking hard. Yeah. But um, luckily, I think I'm, I'm getting through that. So. And are you being kind to you? Yes. So I was telling part of my story. Like, I'd been really mean to myself. So my advice to everyone is please be kind to yourself. 
Anyway, I had some Reiki, sucks away the bad energy. I don't know, I didn't believe in it, but it's radically changed my life. And now I'm like being really kind to myself. Good, and that's yeah. what we wanna hear, absolutely. I mean, it seems fairly obvious about kind of the advice that you would impart on others, but I am going to ask that question, you know, kind of what would you like people today to take away from, from what you're saying? For me, I think it's, aside from take the little cards on the table and use them and check yourself, and even if you're 20-something and you're sat in this room and you think this is an old lady's disease, it's not. And at Wavemaker, we certainly know that, don't we? So I think that you, you can't underestimate the power of talking, about, of talking about things and sharing things. But my, apart from checking yourself and keeping, keep talking about this sort of thing to people and open your minds to it, and men as well, because it's, it's not just about the women, it's about the, the boyfriends, husbands, partners, dads, all of that sort of stuff, th this affects. But, but for me, the kind of advice personally that I would give to people, and, and this is a bit like your kind to yourself apart from know your body and just keep putting some extra bubbles in your bubble bath which is the way somebody described it to me because actually if you look after yourself and you understand yourself then actually you you can get through stuff and you can be prepared for everything so just understand yourself more take time to understand you and then you can kind of deal with anything then I think and that's it, we don't do it. We don't take that time, we don't take that breath. That, that's really, really important. Colleen, what would you say? I think drawing on one of your points of like talking to people. So I think since my, from cancer to, you know, fake breasts was so fast, I didn't talk to people and I didn't process it. And then certainly I suffered through, you know, nine months of this menopause. I mean, a really good friend of mine is in the audience here and she probably didn't even know how bad I struggled reach out, like there are so many people there in your life to, I mean, I hope, but I assume, to support you. So you don't have to keep this to yourself. Absolutely, and Nikki, I'm gonna to come to you for some final words. What would you say to our wonderful audience here? I think, please fill out that survey because actually you can inform future campaigns and you've all got different experiences. We've heard that today. So, you know, everyone, there's lots of different ages in this room, lots of different backgrounds, and it's really important that we understand how to communicate with each other. I'm going to go on a slight tangent because we've talked about menopause and we've talked about how breast cancer increases with age, but we are seeing younger women. And there's, there's positive reasons for that. That's because women are going forward to their GP and they're being screened, so we're hearing about it. But I think it's great that businesses are talking about menopause, but I think we should talk about women's health throughout your whole, every year, you know, from menstruation through to uh, reproduction through to menopause, because I think otherwise everything's seen in silo and it's not, it's all hormone related. And I feel really passionately about that, especially we go into schools and we speak. It's all linked. And I think it's also about body image and knowing what's normal for you, encouraging young women to look in the mirror and look at their bodies, not from the view of how they look for photographs, but how they look for what's normal and what's right for them. Definitely. Let's keep those conversations going. And I've got to say, you know, it takes some to get up here and share their story. So a big thank you to Emma and Colleen there. And also to Nikki. 
So that's it for this episode of Inside Stories from the MPA. Thanks for listening. You'll hear from us again in about a month's time. This podcast was produced by Purposeful Podcast. If you want to build a community around your business or your brand, then do get in touch with the team at purposefulpodcast.com. Please remember to rate and review Inside Stories from the MPA, because that means more people get to find us. And if you know people who aren't in the MPA but might be interested in joining, then do share this podcast with them too.